Welcome to Believe in Baltimore, a podcast conversation with community leaders and changemakers in Baltimore, Maryland, hosted by Govins Presbyterian Church. We're your hosts, Reverend Billy Klutz, Associate Pastor at Govins Presbyterian Church. And Reverend Tom Harris, Senior Pastor. And we believe in Baltimore. Welcome back to Believe in Baltimore. Today we are joined by Maura Elwood. Maura is the Director of Community Engagement for the Office of Councilman Mark Conway, District 4. After graduating from Loyola University in 2020, she worked with Loyola's York Road Initiative as their 2021 CCMA AmeriCorps VISTA. Maura is passionate about restorative social and racial justice, connecting neighborhoods and exploring Baltimore, and meeting new people. Welcome, Maura. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for accepting the invitation after the YRP meeting. I, I was pretty emphatic. <laughs> I've heard so many great things about the community fridge. I want to make sure that, uh, that we got y'all on here. And we should say that the reason you're here is to talk about just that, not all the other amazing things you do, but the community fridge. So where is the fridge? What is the fridge? Who takes care of it? What are the important details? Sure. So the Govins Community Fridge, which you can follow on Instagram at Govins Community Fridge, is on the 5104 York Road lot, which is a part of Loyola University. It's where the Govins Town Farmers Market is held. Um, and so that little building there, not the big um, campus police building, but the little one we call the hut, that's where the York Road Initiative operates out of. Um, and right behind their building is a yellow wooden structure housing a fridge, um, which is the Govins Community Fridge. Um, basically, the fridge is an opportunity for um, folks to volunteer and bring food uh, for uh, neighbors who need it. Uh, the whole idea is take what you need and leave what you can, but it is managed by Loyola University's York Road Initiative. There's some student interns and staff who maintain cleaning the fridge and have partnerships on Loyola's campus that donates food that would otherwise go to waste to the fridge. Um, so yeah, that's where it is. That's awesome. That sounds like a, such a, a cool thing, especially in the middle of the summer. Uh, I thought it'd be fun as we're getting to know the fridge and getting to know you a little bit to play a game. We don't do that a lot on Believe in Baltimore. So okay. uh, Tom and I are going to say things that we may or may not have in our house around us. And you're gonna tell us, <laughs> does it go in the fridge or not? So here we go. All right. Canned beans in yes. the fridge. <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. All right. How about a big bag of rice? Yes. How about chickens from my, how about eggs from my chickens in my backyard? Yes. Mm -hmm. Bottles of Powerade. Yes. How about half a container of yogurt that I really liked but didn't finish? Unfortunately, no. Not but just the yogurt. Time. I've opened it. Because you've opened it. Okay. <laughs> Tomatoes from my garden. Yes, please bring those. Beer. No. No alcohol no, at all. No alcohol or just no beer. I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're big fans of wine actually at the fridge, so no beer. Um, 
So this isn't explicit in any written like rules for the fridge. This is me going by gut instinct. So I would say no. <laughs> right, I could go here. and check the. <laughs> what about turkey? So turkey, if it's cooked and labeled with the date and what ingredients you used, yes. If it's raw turkey, no. No, ma'am. No raw meats. No raw meat. Mm-mm. What about like, I have some toys that my kid doesn't use anymore, like some Legos. Can I drop those off at the fridge? You can drop those off at the York Road Initiative. Um, we have one of those little free libraries that we sometimes put toys in. Um, I'd say no to the fridge though, but those donations would definitely be accepted by YRI. So can you paint a little picture for us? So we, um, if we do show up with a, um, you know, uh, some Powerade and some eggs from our backyard chickens, what do we, when do we, are there times that we have to show up um, or is it 24 seven? Will somebody greet us? Do we just open the fridge ourselves and put it in there? Well, how's it work? Right. The fridge is 24 um, seven. Mm-hmm. There's usually someone staffing the office, um, you know, during Monday through Friday, I'd say nine to five usually. Um, but it's around the back of the building. So if you don't want to, if you're shy, you don't have to interact with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, just open up the fridge. There is actually in the structure some shelves um, to the side of the fridge, which has um, containers that are protecting canned goods and dry goods, as well as hygiene products, which are definitely accepted, masks and menstrual products, things like that. Um, And so you can just bring it on over and donate it. If it is a prepared food, um, like I said before, labeling with the date it was made and all the ingredients will ensure that folks who have allergies or people who are maintaining the fridge will know when you dropped it off. But for other things, just pop it in there. All right. And some of those people who are monitoring are going to make sure that stuff hasn't, doesn't stay in there too long or get old. Yes. Yeah. yeah we okay. have um, people and they're actually undergraduate interns who um, will be regularly cleaning and eyeing produce to make sure it's still good and eyeing expiration dates on uh, packaged things. And if I'm uh, hungry and I'm looking for food, just same kind of situation, walk up and see what I can find. Yes. Yeah. So we thought that um, the reason for a 24 seven fridge, that's not, you know, staffed by someone is just to make it more welcoming because the idea really is if you need something um, you don't have to prove to anybody what you need or how much you need. Um, the, the idea is just mutual aid and a sense of trust and community that will provide for each other and have each other's back. So if you're looking for food um, from the fridge, yeah, you just walk up any time of day or night. Um, campus is aware that the fridge is going on so you won't be encountered by anyone asking what you're doing there, especially at night. Um, and you can just show up actually after the farmer's market on Wednesday was all cleaned up, I actually still have the opportunity to go to every week. Thank you to my boss, Councilman Conway, um, to staff a table for him there. After the market was all cleaned up last week, we had um, a resident in the neighborhood who walked up and said, hey, my neighbors told me that you have free food. Where is that? I'm like, yeah, that's that fridge over there. They said, do we need to sign in? Nope. what do I need to do? No, you just take it. And it seemed like that person was really, you know, surprised, but excited about that. And we hope that the word will spread by mouth like that. And it'll just be something 
that folks have the opportunity to use without, you know, like I said, having to prove that they need it or something. Yeah, that's and that's so that's so needed in our community because, um, you know, Govan supports Cares Food Pantry and they do an amazing job of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, on, on certain days and certain hours for people who live in, in a geographic area, uh, providing you know, providing and vetting and making sure that people are not sort of always coming and getting the same things. But we also get people at church all the time who are like, I'm just looking for some food and, and I'm hungry. Um, and having a place where we could send them uh, will be will be really good. Yes, please send people down. Well, I, I think that the fridge is definitely on your list of uh, favorite community gems. I'm wondering, are there other things that you love about Baltimore, about uh, Govins, about our neighborhood? restaurants, movie theaters, places to shop? Yes. Um, so I'll start in Govins. The Govins that I actually attended Loyola and lived in Govins um, for a bit after that. And it's still, you know, my heart, the place where I started in Baltimore. Um, and I think some of my favorite gems in Govins are um, Asia Food, the Asian market um, mm -hmm. right across from Northern Action Center beautiful market. I also was informed by folks who have lived in the community longer than I that Asia Food was one of the only providers of fresh produce on the corridor for a very long time. So mm -hmm. like shout out to them and they've been such a, a gem in the community for so long, but I just love going there. I actually picked up some incense today from there because they have great incense. Fun fact mm -hmm. that you can pick up. Um, also a big fan of Corner Carryout. They have an extensive mm -hmm. menu that's delicious. Um, and I'm also a big fan of um, Deweese Park and Rec Center and the, uh, the community garden that is right along Woodburn Avenue, right on the outskirts of Deweese. So you're the second person to bring up Corner Carryout. I have not been, I promised Joe San Maria that I would go with them. So I'm going <laughs> to have to go with y'all. You have to. It's so good. Also, I know that. Um, if you need another podcast guest, there is someone who works there who has a YouTube channel. Um, and so check it out. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Sorry, yeah. I interrupted you. What are your favorite places outside of the Govins neighborhood? Outside of Govins, um, movie theater sparked something in me. I do love the Senator, of course, but I love the Charles. Um, mm. I feel like the Charles is just so cool. It's one of my favorite things about living in this city and like in a city in general is being able to see small independent movies um, in such an accessible area, such a fun little um, walk mm -hmm. too. Um, I also love, I just found out about the um, Baltimore Tool Library which is not a tool bank, it's a tool library and it's in Greenmount West, right next to OpenWorks. Um, if anybody is looking for tools because they have a project at home that needs to be finished, that's where you go, to the tool library. You don't, since it's a library and not a bank, you don't need to be an organization, just an individual that needs a hammer or a drill or something fixed. They have workshops for things like that too. So I think that's one of my favorite places too. And then the bigger question, uh, conceptual question, the theme of our podcast: uh, Why do you believe in Baltimore? Why do you? Why are you here? Why do you do what you do in Baltimore? When uh, we, we hear so much about Baltimore and we have such a reputation in in the nation about various things, why are you here and doing what you do? Right, I'm here because I fell in love with the city. I believe in Baltimore because of its personality and its soul. 
I think it's a city that lives and breathes with its people, you know, it has its own personality. Um, and that can be, you know, good or bad. We have challenges and great successes too. Um, but I think being in a city with so many vibrant neighborhoods and people that also believe in Baltimore and love it no matter what everybody else is saying and no matter the huge challenges and hurdles to overcome, no matter the history, um, is what makes me believe in Baltimore. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. At Govins Presbyterian, we like to say that we ground our work in stories from our neighbors, stories of our own, and stories from our Christian religious tradition. We love to talk about the Bible on this podcast, and we invite neighbors from all religious traditions or no tradition at all to discuss a story with us, because we think that these stories are great ways to talk about uh, our past, talk about the work we're doing today, help us reflect and make sense on the world around us. Uh, we're not proselytizing in any way. We're like, we said, let's throw this story up and see what's interesting, inspiring, challenging, bothersome. Uh, and then we, we talk about it and see if we can make meaning together and then apply the meaning to our neighborhoods and our work. So Billy's gonna read our story for the day. Yeah, today's story comes from the book of Genesis. That's uh, the very beginning of the Hebrew Bible, chapter 41. And in this story, Joseph, an Israelite, interprets the dreams of the Egyptian Pharaoh. Here is uh, Genesis chapter 41, verses 15 to 36. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and there's no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not I. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the banks of the Nile and seven cows, fat and sleek, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Then seven other cows came up after them, poor, very ugly and thin. Never had I seen such ugly ones in all the land of Egypt. The thin and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows, but when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had done so, for they were still as ugly as before. Then I awoke. I fell asleep a second time, and I saw in my dream seven ears of grain, full and good, growing on one stalk, and seven ears, withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind, sprouting after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the good seven ears, but when I went and told it, told it to the magicians, there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what God is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, as are the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what God's about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. After them, there will arise seven years of famine. And all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land. The plenty will no longer be known in the land because of the famine that will follow, for it will be very grievous. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will bring it about. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a man who is discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plenteous years. Let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming, and lay up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities, and let them keep it. 
that food shall be reserved for the land against the seven years of famine that are to befall the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. Tomorrow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> long and not uncomplicated story. Uh, I'm wondering what stands out to you among all those uh, repetitive sevens and various images. Is there anything that surprises you or challenges you about that? I was a little challenged by um, by this passage or this story. I think it's interesting that you know um, Joseph is saying that God, you know, has put these seven years of famine and seven years of um, plenty to be, you know, like God is giving the people both famine and plenty and has advised them to, you know, kind of figure it out. That's kind of was challenging to me, especially Mm. because the recommendation from Joseph to the Pharaoh is that someone should, someone should do a good thing, you know, and prevent hunger, but there should be only a couple people, you know, controlling the food. And as we know in the Bible, especially in Egypt, you know, leaving things up to folks in power mm-hmm. doesn't always seem to work out. So I was a bit challenged by this and I'd be interested to hear both of your interpretations. No, I, I love that. You're right. The, this land of hierarchy has unsurprisingly created a hierarchical response, right? Mm-hmm. That, that is not in the dream. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was really challenged by that. It's like, Joseph, I wouldn't have interpreted it like that. (laughs) But I think, um, you know, the response to famine and saying this is coming, we need to be prepared, I think is great and good. And also, I, you know, I had some thoughts churning in my head about the fact that God is the one bringing famine onto Egypt and bringing on plenty. Um, and thinking about hunger and, you know, social issues that folks in our community and in the U.S. all over the world face is also brought on by people in power, sort of the gods of the world. So I thought that that was interesting. Yeah, I love yeah. both those points. As, we, as we've been trying to do more community engagement work at Govins, one of the practices we've been trying to learn is that when we go out, we do, you know, like the interact, reflect, act again and reflect model. And when we come back and reflect on our interactions, our one-on-ones, our conversations, um, we're trying to get in the habit of always listing more than one possible interpretation for every piece of data. Mm. And that's so hard. And I I love that you're reminding us of that, that uh, the interpretation itself is quite a big step (laughs) from the data that we've been. What do you think? Yeah, I I mean, I love more that, um, I hear you picking up on two things. I hear you picking up on, what could be the theodicy question when thought theodicy is, you know, why is there suffering? Why is there evil? Why is God creating a famine? You know, mm-hmm. um, we were just talking about this on Sunday uh, and wondering sort of, are there things that happen in the world that are, are horrible that really there's nobody to lay them at the feet of, but, the, but God. Um, and there's no answers to these questions of sort of what is, why do people suffer? And is it, is God responsible? But I think it's a, a really important question. And then you then bring up, so what are we supposed to do about it? it now it's in our hands how we're going to respond. We don't know why it happened exactly, but we know that we now have a responsibility. 
I like that the Pharaoh in this case, even though it's a very hierarchical approach, is seen as being responsible and see, seen as being somebody, a leader who is going to take care of the people. Um, mm -hmm. I think the Bible tries to give us both versions of leadership, leaders mm -hmm. that are responsible and see their job as administering social justice. Uh, and leaders who are are horrible and greedy and violent. Um, and so here could be, you know, a leadership model that's being lifted up, even though it's not, um, you know, community based, it's very concentrated. It mm -hmm. is at least a, a way to, to hold the leaders who do have power accountable saying this is what good leadership looks like. Uh, I'm wondering, is part of like community, the community service and learning, is, are there kind of reflection uh, conversations or this is what um, I'm wondering about the leadership mindset um, in designing and right. running the, this first year. Right. Um, so the student leaders that will be um, taking care of the fridge are interns at Loyola Center for Community Service and Justice. So mm -hmm. they have been selected sort of as leaders of their student body, I would say. And so um, their job while to maintain the fridge will also be to promote it to other students to volunteer and um, donate and things. Um, but actually, as I'm sure you all are aware, Loyola is a very Jesuit institution and reflection and Ignatian pedagogy is kind of the whole core of everything that, that they do at the school. So the student leaders who will be managing the fridge take part in a lot of conversations on campus, you know, with other students and then also off campus with community leaders um, and activists um, and sort of reflect on the whys and their responsibilities to the community too. So I'd be interested to hear their interpretation of this passage as well. Well, and, and one of the things just think about the campus piece of it as well and the campuses being the Part of our community as well. One of the things that really stood out to me in listening to the story today was that they were all experiencing the famine or the bounty together. And I was thinking, wow, that's not how it works today, right? Mm -hmm. There's famine, there's plenty, and rarely is that something that we all experience at the same time. Right. And we know the, the places where hunger is most prevalent right now is, is among college students on college campuses, right? And, and I was just thinking about, you know, wow, what a, what a powerful statement <laughs> that even in the bad times, they were at least shared. Right, right. Yeah, that's, I like that interpretation too. Well, now the Loyola and Govins is, is right on that York Road corridor that divides the very wealthy in the city from um, those with much less. And it, it seems like your model of the, the model of the community fridge is um, we're going to call on the community to share their resources to meet this common need. So it's not, you know, what can the mayor do for us? But what can the people in this neighborhood that is so economically segregated, how can we come together and support one another? Right, exactly. And that was why kind of one of the tenets of this project was mutual aid. It's something that can be mutually beneficial um, and can, and doesn't happen in silos, you know, in the nonprofit sector, in the government sector, um, and all of those hoops you have to jump through to access different resources in the city. And in those 
you know, ways. It's mm-hmm. just neighbors helping neighbors in mm-hmm. listening to each other. What do you need? I can provide that or noticing, oh, people don't really take power aid, but they take eggs. <laughs> Maybe we need more of those. And I think that's a really unique and, and cool thing yeah. about mutual aid and about the fridge. Yeah, look at all the power aid on the shelf. Maybe I don't need to <laughs> add my bottle to it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think I think there's such a, a mindset of scarcity around there. This is such a great example of really community-based or asset-based community development. You know, this model of yeah. there is strength and power, even in, in quote unquote poverty zones, right? And and identifying what those strengths and resources are. Yeah. Right, right. I also love that it doesn't the fridge doesn't say the wealthy people are going to help the poor people. It says, when you have more, you know, you'll give it. And when you need, you can take it. I know when we've done our Govins neighborhood food drive, we find that, um, you know, it doesn't matter. It, this, we don't necessarily get more food collected from one side of York Road to the other. Sometimes, you know, some of the neighborhoods who we might think of are poor neighborhoods are extremely generous in sharing what they have. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And you never know, like, especially this project was born out of um, COVID. And since the pandemic, it's really Mm -hmm. been obvious, you know, like there are times where people who are, you know, wealthier have more resources regularly will come to a time in their life because of COVID or whatever Mm -hmm. may happen that um, things change. And so having this system where it's just when you have too much or you have stuff to share, share. When you don't, don't. And if you need, take, um, I think is a much more symbiotic and dynamic system for mm-hmm. and takes into account everything that happens in life because life happens. Yeah, so many, so many people are, like you said, one injury, one illness, one job loss away from a radically different kind of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if folks are uh, looking at all the extra turkey in their fridge, how can people get involved to uh, support you and uh, be part of this great work? <laughs> um, well, if you would like to volunteer, definitely contact the York Road Initiative. Um, I can actually uh, pull up the email address, um, but also follow the um the Govins Community Fridge on Instagram and look out for flyers in your community if you're not on Instagram or email. Um, Skylar Cho is the manager right now over the summer for the Community Fridge. You can send her an email if this is okay to, you know, put someone's yeah. email on the podcast. Is yeah. shcho at loyola.edu um, and she can direct you to volunteer opportunities and questions. We'll have that Instagram link as well as the website uh, in the show notes. Just scroll down wherever you're listening to this. And we have a flyer with the uh, QR code on the community bulletin board at Govan. So thanks, Skylar, for giving us one of those. Thanks so much for for being with us, Maura. Um, And thank you for everything you're doing with the community fridge and for uh, Councilman Conway's uh, support of it and Loyola's support of it. Uh, It's a beautiful thing, and we're happy to help get the word out. Likewise, thanks so much for the opportunity. It was really fun.
Thanks to Maura for joining us for the conversation and to the other amazing Loyola volunteers. Thank you, Skylar, for helping us get some of the publicity up at Govins. If you want to spread the word about this podcast and all the other great things happening in our community, leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Share it with a friend and then send me an email with your ideas, your comments, your questions, your favorite local YouTube stars, singers, and celebrities that we should have on this show. And make sure to connect with Govins Presbyterian Church on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, on Instagram, and even on TikTok now. Check us out. And if you do that, you're likely to find some great events coming up in late September. For our Racial Justice Ministry Speaker Series, kicking off for the fall, we have Dr. Kalima Young, who is the Assistant Professor in the Department of Electronic and Media and Film at Towson University. And she has written a brand new book called Mediated Massage Noir, The Erasure of Black Women's and Girls' Innocence in the Public Imagination. This is going to be a deep and insightful book, probably some things that most people haven't thought about that much, and we're gonna be uh, truly enlightened. So this is a Zoom event, September 24th at 2 p.m., and that is a Saturday. And then check out our all our news feeds and websites for a neighborhood food drive that we got coming up Wednesday, September 21st, and Saturday, September 24th. I won't go into all the details, but get connected. It's a great way to meet people and get out in the neighborhood to do great work and collect some food for those in need. And until then. And until then, we hope that you will keep listening to these podcasts and keep connecting with Govins Presbyterian. And as we go from here, we ask that we all keep our hearts opened and our minds clear, that we focus on loving one another, loving God and loving each other in all that we do. Amen. Amen.